Thank you for tuning in to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you have never been to a church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church you connect with, you belong here. Right now, Collective is fully online, so if you like the podcast, make sure to check us out on Facebook at My Collective Church on Sunday mornings at 9.25 a.m. We would love for you to join us. Stay tuned this summer as we have some big announcements coming up about the future of Collective. Now, let's get into today's message. Before I get into today's teaching, I have two announcements that I want to share with you all. The first is that next Saturday, we are hosting a Father's Day brew-through. You heard that right, brew-through. From 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., you can drive through and grab a beer from Vanish or a soda from the Pop Shop in Frederick. So whether you're a dad or want to honor your dad or surprise a dad in your neighborhood, or you just want to get out of your house and see the collective staff, we would love for you to stop by. Seriously, we just want to see you. So it doesn't even matter if you're a dad, just stop by and grab a brew. We will adhere to Maryland's rules. So make sure you have a mask. And just like Mother's Day, we'll have some fun collective kids activities for you to take home as well. Now, the location is to be determined as of our recording. So make sure to check out the Facebook event to be up to date with the details. Also, drinks will be limited. So make sure to RSVP in the Facebook event so we have enough for you to take home and drink from the comfort of your home. The second thing is that on July 5th, we are having a Vision Sunday. I have a lot to share about the next steps for Collective as well as an update when it comes to our building. So you won't want to miss it. Right after the service at 1030, I'll actually be hosting a live Q&A where you can ask me any additional questions that you have based on what you had just heard. Now, I know that a lot of you are used to watching uh, the sermon later on in the day or even later on in the week, but I think this is a really good week to watch on Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. So June 20th from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., Father's Day brew-through. On July 5th on Facebook at 9.30 a.m., Vision Sunday with a Q&A that will follow up at 10.30 a.m. on Facebook as well. About seven years ago, Ray and I moved from Ohio to Johnson City so she could go back to school so that she could get her master's in education. And while there, I took a job working at a Doubletree Hilton as a front desk agent, which makes the job sound way cooler than it actually was. My job was to take reservations, check people in, and because it was a Doubletree hotel, hand out their famous chocolate chip walnut cookies whenever someone checked in or even approached a desk. Quick Side note on that, if you ever walk into a Doubletree Hotel and you walk up to a counter, they have to give you a cookie. So you can do that whenever you want. But those cookies actually have 300 calories, which is the same as a cheeseburger. Just go get a cheeseburger. But a few months into my job, the GM of the hotel pulled me aside and asked if I wanted to be promoted to the role of front desk manager. And I was hesitant at first because I didn't actually know what that entailed. And I wasn't actually sure why I would be replacing our current manager But after a few days, I took the job because I figured, how hard could it be? The answer was very hard. From the moment I took the job, I realized that I had been set up for failure. We were understaffed. The other staff members were undertrained. We had a budget deficit. We weren't up to Hilton standards, so we were actually on the brink of losing the Hilton brand. And most of the systems that were in place were broken. Hence, the previous manager moving on, aka getting fired. 
After trying my best to assess the situation, I realized that I didn't know how to solve this issue on my own. So I went to the GM for help. I told him all of the issues that had come up in the past few weeks and I needed him to hire more staff to get us out of the hole. I needed to be able to spend some of our budget on updating our computers. I needed to pay our current staff overtime so I could retrain them. But more importantly, I needed his help solving these problems that the past manager had caused that he seemingly ignored. And I'll never forget this. The GM looked me dead in the eyes and he said, this is not my problem to solve. It's your problem now. And listen, I know what you're thinking because it's exactly what I was thinking as I walked away from my GM that day. I didn't even know about the problems when I took the job. Why was it my job to fix them? Right? Why didn't he fix them? Why wasn't the last manager held accountable for his work? How was that fair? Has that ever happened to you? Someone else created a mess. Maybe it was a coworker or a friend or a spouse or a family member. Someone else created brokenness. Someone else created pain. Someone else created a problem. But there you are tasked with fixing it, with redeeming it. Today, we're continuing our series called Ordinary People. That's all about people in the Bible that are just like you and me. And these are the people that tend to be supporting characters in the Bible and the stories that we read. And they're only briefly mentioned, but they're also the people who in a few short verses change the world and people that we can learn so much from. And today we're talking about a guy named Matthias. Who? Exactly. We're talking about the 13th apostle, the one that Jesus didn't choose the one that inherited a role that was full of pain and brokenness that he was called to redeem. You see, during Jesus's ministry, he had a lot of followers, but he had 12 guys called apostles that were his core group. These were the guys that Jesus handpicked with the hopes that one day after he died and resurrected from the dead, they would continue on with the mission of the church. And it included Peter and Andrew, the sons of John, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, and Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Jude, the son of James, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot. Those were the 12. But right before Jesus died, he was betrayed by the last guy that I mentioned, Judas Iscariot. For 30 pieces of silver, Judas turned Jesus into the Roman authorities so that he could be arrested. And eventually Jesus was put on trial and beaten and humiliated and executed. And Judas, who again was one of Jesus' closest followers, was so overcome by his own shame that he took his life. Jesus then resurrected from the dead and spent 40 days with his followers. And on the 40th day, he ascended to heaven. And this is the moment when the 11 apostles are officially left in charge of the movement that we know of as Christianity. And that's where we pick up the story today in Acts 1. This is what it says in verse 12. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance over half a mile. When they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Here are the names of those who were present. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Jude, the son of James. Right, so the 11 apostles are together in a place that's called the upper room. Right, think of this as the first portable church location where they would get together to worship and learn and take communion together. During this time, when about 120 believers were together in one place, Peter stood up and addressed them. So altogether, there's 120 people, 
And this was the church. That was it. Today, there are approximately 2.3 billion Christians in the world. But it started with one, Jesus. And it went to a group of 120, this group, to 2.3 billion people today. This is one of the reasons why I know that Collective can not only make an incredible impact in Frederick, but the world. Right? I know this season is tough on our church. It's tough on every church. I know that we miss each other. And I know the next time that we'll be able to be back together, we won't be as big of a church as we were before COVID started. Right? We were averaging 380 people a week leading up to Collective Online. But studies show that it's gonna take one to two years for churches to get back to normal attendance. And the reason for that is because there's people who are afraid of getting sick because people created new rhythms during this season because the church is now more accessible online than ever. And the truth is it sucks, but I have hope because when we get back together again, we're projected to be around 250 people, which is twice as many as this group of people had and they changed the world. So I know we can continue to do the same thing. The story continues with Peter leading the way. Brothers, he said, the scriptures had to be fulfilled concerning Judas who guided those who arrested Jesus. This was predicted long ago by the Holy Spirit speaking through King David. Judas was one of us and shared in the ministry with us. And so Peter addresses Judas's betrayal, right? And he shares with everyone that they knew this was coming because David actually prophesied about it in the Old Testament. Peter continued, this was written in the book of Psalms where it says, let his home become desolate with no one living in it. It also says, let someone else take his position. Now, Peter is referencing Psalm 109 that says this. They say, get an evil person to turn against him. Send an accuser to bring him to trial. When his case comes up for judgment, let him be pronounced guilty. Count his prayers as sin. Let his years be few. Let someone else take his position. And this is really important because it's not just about a betrayal, which came true. It's also about his replacement. Judas's slot needed to be filled. So Peter leads the search committee to find a new 12th apostle. So now we must choose a replacement for Judas from among the men who were with us the entire time we were traveling with the Lord Jesus. From the time he was baptized by John until the day he was taken from us. Whoever is chosen will join us as a witness of Jesus's resurrection. All right, so in order to be considered for this role, they had to be with Jesus and the other apostles through all three years of Jesus's ministry, right? Starting with his baptism and ending with his death, burial, and resurrection. Like this person had to have witnessed the miracles. They had to seen Jesus's power. They had to have heard Jesus's teaching, right? They had to have stayed following Jesus when thousands of other people had abandoned him over the course of three years. So they nominated two men, Joseph, called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, it's the Bible, they have lots of names, and Matthias. So only two additional people were considered to fit those roles. Only two other people in the entire Bible in the entire three years of Jesus' ministry had been there from beginning, middle, and end. Then they all prayed, O Lord, you know every heart. Show us which of these men you have chosen as an apostle to replace Judas in his ministry. For he has deserted us and gone where he belongs. Then they cast lots and Matthias was selected to become an apostle with the other 11. So they choose Matthias to replace Judas. 
And here's the thing. Matthias is never mentioned again in the Bible, right? We know that he's with the other apostles when the first sermon is preached and thousands of people put their faith in Jesus and get baptized. We know that he helps start the church and serve the church. We know that he helps make disciples, right? We actually know from other historical documents that Matthias is credited with bringing the gospel of Jesus to modern day Georgia in the Middle East. But this is the last time that his name is mentioned. And here's what that means. He did his job. You see, Matthias was chosen to be the 13th apostle to replace Judas. He became the person chosen to redeem the brokenness that Judas brought to that team. He became the person chosen to help 120 people move past the pain of Judas's betrayal. He became the person chosen to fix a problem that he didn't cause. Matthias's story is one about redemption but not about his own redemption, not about redemption that he receives, but about redemption that he brings. Now, redemption as a word means to buy back. It means to pay a debt, right? Think about coupons. When we redeem a coupon, it takes the place of the price that was to have been paid, right? It doesn't mean that the item is free. It just means that the coupon covers the cost. Matthias comes into a role and covers the cost of Judas. Think about it. Matthias is inheriting the spot that was left open because of the person who turned Jesus into the authorities. That spot had to bring so much pain to the 11 apostles who had watched it all happen and to the 120 people who made up the church. But it wasn't Matthias's fault, right? He didn't cause the pain. He didn't betray Jesus. He didn't put the apostles' lives at risk but he was given the opportunity to redeem it. Now, Jesus is the ultimate redeemer. And we're gonna talk about that in a few minutes. But if you are a follower of Jesus, redemption is in your DNA. You are called to bring redemption as well. You were redeemed by Jesus, right? He paid the debt that, that our sin creates so that we can have a relationship with God. But then what we do with that is that we pour that back out into our relationships, into our careers, into our marriages, into our neighborhood, into our community. Here's a few examples of what this looks like. Men and women who are in a relationship with someone who's been divorced, maybe you're dating or maybe you're married. Either way, if you're in a relationship with someone who's been divorced, you didn't cause the divorce to happen, right? You didn't cause that pain or that brokenness. You didn't betray them. You didn't hurt them. You didn't leave them. But if you are married to someone who has been divorced or you're dating someone who has been divorced, you are called to redeem the idea of marriage for your significant other, right? You're right. Their past divorce isn't your fault. But that doesn't mean you get to throw up your hands and say, not my problem. You are called to redeem. Romans 12.10 says, be devoted to one another in love, honor another above yourselves. So one of the ways you bring redemption into marriage is you show honor. You treat your significant other as uncommon. Men, Ephesians 5 says to love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Right? You put your wife first. You redeem marriage. Just because you didn't cause the brokenness doesn't mean you aren't responsible for healing and redemption. Let's talk about the church. So many of you watching today would say that you've been hurt by the church or even Christians. Or maybe you'd say that you have a very broken and frustrated view of the church. 
Collective didn't cause that. At least I hope collective didn't cause that. But for people who call collective their church home, it is our job to redeem the church for the people in our lives who need that, right? It's it's not our fault that other churches use the Bible to hurt people. It's not our fault that other churches care more about themselves than they do the community. It's not our fault that people in authority in churches have abused other people for years. That's not our fault. But it is our job to redeem the church. One of the best examples of this is in Acts 2, just a little bit after what we're reading today. It says this about the first church. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is what the church should look like. People caring for their community, people serving, people working together with the same goal of reaching lost and broken people, right? It might not be your fault that somewhere along the lines, your friends or your family experience brokenness at the hand of church or Christians, but you can redeem it. And we know how. We follow what the early church did. Let's talk about racism. Over the past few weeks, racial tensions have been incredibly high. For the first time in my lifetime, healthy conversations about racism are happening and people are beginning to understand that Jesus looks at us all the same, but the world doesn't. Our society doesn't. And on social media, I've seen post after post from white people who look just like me saying, I'm not racist. My family didn't own slaves. I wasn't around when segregation was still in place. So I didn't cause the problem. And this might be true. You might not be racist. You might not have caused the problem then, and you might not be causing the problems now, but are you a part of the solution? Right? I didn't cause racism in America, but I can redeem it. I can lead a church that talks about the truth that action is necessary when it comes to racial reconciliation and not just words. I can recognize how my own white privilege has stifled a community. I can recognize that I have the opportunity to raise my two girls to fight injustice. I might not have caused the problem, but I am called to redeem it. I'm called to love others the way that Jesus loved us first. I can be a part of the solution. You can bring redemption to your friendships. You can bring redemption to communities. You can bring redemption to your family. You might not have created the brokenness. You might not have created the pain. It might not be your fault, and that's great. But are you a part of the solution? Are you bringing redemption into this world? Because that's exactly what Matthias did. He brought redemption. He led the church. He cared for people. And I'm sure there were times when one of the 11 original apostles had a moment of doubt and insecurity and took it out on him, right? He was filling the spot of someone that brought a lot of pain. I'm sure that there are times that Matthias was blamed for things that he didn't deserve. I am sure he felt pressure to do well in his role because that happens all the time in our brokenness. But Matthias brought redemption and so can you. What redemption are you called to bring? And listen, I know that that's not fair, right? Why are we called to fix things that we didn't break? But guess what? Life's not fair and that's a good thing. Here's why. We are broken and sinful people. 
We walk out of alignment with what God wants for us daily. Our sin creates a debt to God that we cannot pay. Instead of Jesus standing back and saying, that's not my problem. That's not my fault. I didn't make them sin. I didn't make them disobey. I didn't tell them to screw up their lives. Instead of giving us what is fair, which is death and separation from God, Jesus offers redemption. Ephesians 1 says this, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Jesus can redeem the doubts and insecurities that you feel every single day. Jesus can redeem the anger and bitterness that impacts every single decision that you make. Jesus can redeem your loveless marriage. Jesus can redeem your dysfunctional family. Jesus can redeem your addictions and set you free. Jesus can redeem your past. Jesus is is capable of redeeming your present. Jesus will redeem your future. Now, this doesn't mean that everything will be perfect. Jesus never promises that, but he does promise hope and grace and life to the fullest. And that you don't need to carry that shame of your brokenness because Jesus is wanting to make you new. He will buy all of that back for you if you let him. And some of you need to start there, right? You need to start with accepting the redemption of Jesus for your own life, right? You you do that by putting your faith in Jesus and getting baptized, And I know a lot of you are wrestling with that decision. We're having a lot of great conversations with people behind the scenes about that right now. But if you want redemption for your own life, you have to say yes to Jesus who is offering it to you. The best way to do that and the best way to start having that conversation right now is to simply fill out an online connection card or head to mycollective.church slash baptism. Danielle would love to talk with you this week about taking that next steps and what does redemption look like in your own life? But if you are someone that has said yes to redemption, Right? You've experienced that in your own life. It's time to bring redemption into the world to the point and pointing people toward the ultimate redeemer, which is Jesus. A few years ago, I was listening to a podcast and they shared a story about a woman named Marietta Yeager. And in the mid seventies, Marietta's daughter was kidnapped and killed by a man named David Meerhofer. It was a story that gripped the nation and brought so much pain to Marietta and her family. But what also happened is that it brought a lot of pain to David's mother. She received death threats and public humiliation as the story played out. She suffered from grief and shame knowing what her son had done. And Marietta, being a strong woman of faith, realized that it wasn't just her own life that needed redemption, but also the life of David's mother. So they met and they talked. And Marietta did the unthinkable. She forgave her. She befriended her. She actually went with David's mother to pray with her over the grave after he died. And Marietta didn't have to do that. She didn't hurt David's mother. David did that. But as a follower of Jesus, she knew that she could help heal someone of the brokenness that they felt, that someone else caused in their life, that David's mother lived with every single day. In fact, Marietta went on to start a nonprofit that helps other families who have experienced loss work through their pain and even offer forgiveness. She felt called to bring redemption, and so should we. Let's pray. God, thank you so much um, that the, the debt that our sin creates, that the pain that we've caused, the brokenness that we feel, God, that you offer redemption for that. 
God, you, you offer the opportunity for us to be made new. God, you offer the opportunity for us to change, to grow, to, to be different. But God, I pray that not only do we wrestle with redemption for ourselves, but God, I pray that we bring it to our communities. There's so many people hurting around us. There's so many people who've been through pain in our church, outside of our church. There's so many people who are experiencing brokenness right now and hurt right now caused by other people. And God, our natural tendency is to throw our hands up and say, that's not my problem. I didn't cause that. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to dig into that. But God, in the Bible, we see time and time again, as you let other people who follow you bring and offer redemption to lost and broken people. So God, I pray that not only do we say yes to the redemption that you offer us, but God, we help bring that into our community so that we can also help redemption happen. God, not just, not just in our communities, in our cities, not just racially, not just in marriages, not just in church, but also for people's souls. God, help us bring redemption. God, help us recognize that even though we didn't cause the brokenness, even though we didn't cause this problem, it's even though someone else did it years and years and years and years ago, we get to solve it that we can be a part of the solution. God, help us be a part of the solution with the pain and brokenness that, that the people around us experience every single day. Help us bring redemption to our city and to our friends and to our neighbors and to our family. God, ultimately help us point people closer to you so that they can experience ultimate redemption that only you can offer. God, we love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.